Welcome to Ask an Atheist with Sam Mulvey. And with Becky and with Josh. We're all three of us here today. Well, I guess Sam and me in the studio and Josh uh, remotely in the studio. How are you doing, Josh? Yeah, I'm here. Kind of in spirit. Doing as good as can be expected, I guess, under the circumstances. It is really, really awesome to have you even remotely back with <laughs> Ask an Atheist. I think it's been about a month since we have released anything with Ask an Atheist. And one of those things that has been, I guess, catching us and getting in the way, at least, a little bit for us doing this, besides all of the amazing work that we have been doing to, uh, I don't know, I guess, keep the world going and our in own independent lives going and uh, things like that, is um, Sam, you have been um, going through many different accomplishments and some struggles, indeed. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, and even as you and I have been really forward on the radio station, right, on right. KTQA, uh, where I've been typically doing all of the interviews for the daily briefing, and you and I had been doing the daily briefing together, even that you have taken a step back from. If you've, if you've been following us on KTQA, um, you'll notice that I haven't been on the air very much at all. Uh, recently, and if you're paying close attention to how I'm talking, you're getting a good sense of why that is. Um, when you can't really say the word atheist on a on a show called Ask an Atheist, um, it, it's hard to hard to be on the air. Because <laughs> right now I I'm in the middle of of a major dental procedure, and I have no front teeth. Basically, I'm Cletus the Flak Jog Yokel. <laughs> Well, without Cletus, the slack-jawed locals' uh, sensibilities. You, see, you, even, you, don't, you, don't know, you don't know what I'm referencing, and because of the way I'm pronouncing it, you're pronouncing it wrong. And so, you know, just sort of a, as, an, as, a, as a sorry uh, to our listeners and to, to the, you know, the patrons uh, who have been very valiantly sticking with us as, uh, during this fairly rough time, I just wanted to steer into the embarrassment and... Uh, <laughs> give you a sense of why it's difficult for me to be on the air right now um the major major procedure is next week and that's when i have a lot of things removed and a lot more metal installed in my face which you know i'm totally pumped about um and uh, one step further to becoming your cyborg yeah totally but until then um and after that, I'll have some some things installed where I can kind of start being back on the air for small amounts of time. But this is one step. This is a major step towards being back on the air, doing Ask an Atheist again, which I'm kind of... As much as I'm capable of chomping at a bit, chomping at a bit to do. But also uh, some other major projects that I will talk about when I can talk about them. Not let their secret... I just can't talk. Well, thank you, Sam, for being here. I think we're going to let you. Have your... I embarrassed myself sufficiently? I think that you have articulated everything wonderfully. <laughs> Jackass. <laughs> I think we'll let your mic go silent for uh, the rest of our hour here together. But, uh, Sam, thank you for, for coming in. Come and coming on. on. <laughs> I don't know if this thing works. Later, Sam. <laughs> so, Josh. How have you been during this whole shutdown and pandemic? You said as good as could possibly be expected, right? Yeah, I mean, actually, I'm faring pretty well. I mean, it, every, all the news that keeps coming, it's just a constant doom scroll just through the news. And so that's very off-putting. But I've been fortunate to still uh, to not actually be directly impacted by any events. Well, that is definitely wonderful. We in our household haven't been directly impacted by COVID illness, um, nor have we had the misfortune um, of uh, having any job insecurity. As our listeners well know, I'm you know employed as a public school educator, and well, we are working really, 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 really hard. Um, <laughs> you know, we know that parents are just having parents and caretakers of kids are having a really challenging time. Um, your teachers, I promise you, are working their tails off because we want to do what's best for all of our kids. Um, and uh, So when this is all said and done and over and kids go back to school, do you think uh, parents are going to find a newfound uh, love for the 
the teachers and understanding of what the teachers have to go through? I think that it's been in ebbs and flows, right? Because, I mean, if you're a parent, you are advocating most for your child, right? And so when there's something that your child is upset about or not getting in the way that they had before, like, you're going to be fierce on behalf of your kiddo. So I think when schools first closed and parents were doing a lot of, um, like, the daily things that usually happen in a school environment, parents were exhausted and finding, wow, my kid is really annoying with me. (laughs) He must be really annoying with his teachers. Thank you, teachers. Um, But, you know, the, the truth is that parents were trying to do that while also switching around their lives. And then the summer came and, you know, usually at the end of summer, parents are like, yay, hooray, we get to send kids back to to school. Tag, you're it, teachers. They don't really get to do that this year. So I think that, you know, once schools do reopen, I think that there will be hopefully a sense of relief. The schools are, I guess, resuming without like physically reopening, at least in our region. Um, In King County and Pierce counties, all Public and private schools are starting 100% remote, um, and that's based on our COVID case counts in this area. And, uh, you know, I think one thing that's interesting is that we've started to see business leaders and, um, like, superintendents and college provosts get in the game of, like, promoting science and mask wearing and hand washing by saying, if you want things to go back to normal, you have to do this. Start doing this now. Josh, I don't know if in your sector you started seeing that or whether you're encountering a lot of um, folks that are just kind of, like, flouting flouting the guidelines because of their, I guess, anti-science messaging that they either parrot or have been hearing from folks. Um, no, actually, uh, everybody's been wearing masks, and it's actually been kind of interesting. And, but that's new within the last month. And unfortunately, I was probably guilty of it at work because I, where I work at, I, I kind of have a desk to myself, and so I don't have to worry about ha- masking up so much. But yeah, no, we absolutely started making sure that uh, everybody was masking up. But it, you still hear the bickering. Everybody's not happy about it, which is understandable. Nobody likes wearing a mask. If they're going to be unhappy about something like a worldwide pandemic affecting all aspects of your daily life is a pretty valid thing to be unhappy about, I think. But I'm I'm glad to hear that, like most sectors, you know, are really starting to uh, abide by these doctor based recommendations and looking at the health department. And, you know, we're not really pushing back like in some regions where whole scale an entire political party will uh, or an entire county leadership will push back on something and, uh, I guess, um, fearlessly flout any of these recommendations or guidelines. Yeah, it's because they've been propagandized to believe that this is a form of social control in order to, uh, like, this is like a step towards the New World Order or something. Like, no, this isn't about fighting some disease. This is this is the government supposedly making sure that when it says jump, you jump. That's how they're taking it. That's how they've been advertised to take it. Here's the thing. If there is a snake at your feet and the government says jump, I mean, to take a biblical reference, like I want to jump out of the way of a rattlesnake, right? Like there's some things that if you are based in science and reason and best practices and looking at all of the 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 consensus and research, when a government says something or government entity says something and it's not backed by massive um, business interests or um, personal interests like I would really like to be able to abide by that that's a good thing to jump for right I'm not going to dig in my heels literally and not jump when there is a uh, a venomous animal at my feet Um, you know not on principle right and so it's like I I just would think so well I'm speaking for me I would not do like I would not dig in my heels and it's hard to to witness, just like you said, you would think so, right? It's hard to witness folks that dig in their heels for what seems to be merely anti-authoritarian um, uh, resistance, right? And believe me, like I'm, I've got some anti-authoritarian strains in me for certain. But I'm going to get out of the way of a venomous snake, and I'm going to get out of the way of someone who is 
possibly infected with a respiratory illness, a devastating respiratory illness that is coughing, right, in the grocery store. I'm just going to be like, you know what, this may be not the grocery store I want to work at. So um, I'm glad that both our households have been unaffected, at least physically, from the impacts of COVID-19, if not impacted um, mentally by the impacts of all of the challenges that have been striking so many of us this summer. Um, But one thing that I have not been challenged by is being asked to step down from my position uh, of, of, of educational leadership due to really, really weird things that I do in my off time. Can't say the same for Jerry Falwell. Can you now, Josh? Yeah, this is a very interesting story. Like, the, the, never would have said that I could have seen this coming, except for absolutely I could have. <laughs> okay. I didn't think it would take this particular um, turn, but uh, let's let's get to the, some of the details. Jerry Falwell Jr. will leave his post as president of Liberty University after it came to light that the evangelical preacher and Trump supporter and his wife may have engaged in a six-year sexual relationship with an associate who started out as a hotel pool attendant. Falwell, who had led the private evangelical Christian college since his father's death in 2007, had already been on leave after sharing a photo of himself on Instagram embracing a woman who is not his wife while both had unzipped pants and while Falwell held a drink that he captioned as black water. Falwell described the photo as part of his... (laughs) You're you're laughing at that one because it's clearly like a Jack and Coke or something like that? Oh, no, no. I'm laughing at that because black water means poo water. (laughs) There's there's that. I don't know that you'd want to be drinking that on your vacation either. Well... Uh, There's further details, though, because Falwell described the photo as part of his vacation activities, and he justified his pose as an act of solidarity with a pregnant friend who struggled to button her shorts. Falwell also categorically denied having a sexual relationship with anyone outside his marriage, saying that he and his wife had reconciled after she'd had an affair. The vacation activities and alleged affair would violate his own school's honor code, which forbids premarital and extramarital sex, as well as sexual activities among individuals of the same gender. The code also requires modest dress at all times and encourages avoiding any appearance of impropriety. Falwell will depart his position entitled to a $10.5 million package based on contract language that since he has not been formally accused of wrongdoing by the school, nor is he leaving after having admitted any wrongdoing. Oh, my goodness, Josh, there is a lot to, um, I guess, examine in this part. Yeah, there's there's so much to unpack. I mean, first of all, I mean, so Liberty... University is notorious for having an honor code that when somebody violates it, a student violates the honor code, they will be unceremoniously just dismissed, which means no refund of tuition, and they won't even allow you to transfer your credits, from what I understand. Yeah, there have been cases where where kids that have been gay and come out have had their transcripts transcripts withheld, so they can't even utilize any of those any of that learning that they've done in some other institution. You're right, I had forgotten about that. Yeah, and honestly, the the truth is, I have nothing against his action, like because the thing is, it, the understanding seems to be is that they have an open relationship, him and his wife. There is nothing wrong with this. This is this is adult decisions that they are making. This is adult decisions they should be allowed to make. The problem comes in play is that like their entire identity that and the entire institution that he's in charge of is counter into it is counter to this. It is a thing that you bring up that I think is is important here. Merely having a third party involved in your marital relationship, whether it's with intimate encounters with both of you, with just one member of that uh, relationship, that's not something that uh, I as an atheist am going to say like, oh, that's sinful. Like we, we don't have a concept of sin against God, right, as atheists. But you would think that the Falwells would have a concept of sinning and certainly a concept of understanding that even if you don't really buy it, you're in a position of leadership at a place that does. And so you might want to maybe not do that or maybe not take a position of leadership at an evangelical college. Or if you don't agree with it, maybe you get the rules changed. If you understand that something bad is being done uh, in the institution, I mean, if it's denying people's rights, then 
maybe you should change the rules. That is an amazing kind of thing where we could see the opening of these sort of moral behavior codes at these private Christian colleges that would allow more people who maybe do feel dedicated to their faith to also be truer to themselves and avoid any of this ridiculous shaming that goes on. Now, the vacation photos, I don't know if you got um, a hold of them, like if you saw them, because it's it was an Instagram photo that ended up being deleted from Falwell's account. But did you end up seeing it? Yeah, and their excuse was like they were trying to do cosplay for uh, Trailer Park Boys, which is an awesome Canadian sitcom. Okay. From back in the day. So here's the thing. If you want to to do cosplay and have fun while drinking a cocktail on your yacht, I would question whether the yacht is necessary and maybe your leadership of an institution that gives you so many millions of dollars a year that enables you to buy a yacht maybe isn't the most, like, I don't know, uh, holy thing <laughs> to be modeling for your Christian university, but whatever. P- rich people have yachts and they go on vacation and they have cocktails and they use their phones to, you know, Instagram themselves all over the place, right? I didn't really see anything scandalous about this particular photo. What is a yacht but a trailer on the water? <laughs> there you go. So the the cosplay isn't even out of um, out of alignment there. The, the 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 searching and, and, and digging to say, oh, well, she couldn't button her shorts because she's pregnant and she has a growing belly. So I'm going to in solidarity have my belly hanging out of like, honestly, that's just kind of a silly thing that I wouldn't like, I don't know, have a problem with. Yeah, uh, it, it shouldn't be a problem at all, except for they're the ones that set the standards. Exactly. That's where it really comes into play. There's nothing wrong with hugging someone who is not your spouse. There's nothing wrong with wearing short shorts. There's nothing wrong with having the button of your shorts rolled down when your pregnant belly is hanging out and you're on vacation. There's nothing wrong with having a mixed drink while you're on vacation. There is something so vilely hypocritical when you will shame students at your institution for the same behaviors and bilk them out of hundreds of thousands of dollars because these private Christian colleges are not cheap, right? There is something so vile about that when you shame and and financially exploit these young people for doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, and then also on top of that, he's also, so he violates these uh, rules that are arbitrary and uh, gets away with it. I mean, he'll have to resign, but he gets a $10 million parachute and he'll be fine. And then he'll just, he's going to probably start a a forgiveness uh, charity after this. Oh, what do you speculate in terms of forgiveness charity? Is this forgiving the people who allegedly blackmail you because that's what he's saying his uh his wife's um i guess paramour uh was doing right is actually just blackmailing them that he was never involved in any of this it's like it's okay if that's your thing we don't mind we just Uh, mind you lying about it and saying everyone else who does it is terrible was it michael cohen i think has pictures supposedly there is some involvement of michael cohen involved in this as well it's it's just i guess at this point anyone that you can throw into the mix just throw them in whether their pants are buttoned or not (laughs) right also the interesting thing about hearing about this is i assume that jerry falwell was a preacher um no his dad was a preacher he took over for his dad but he has speaking of parachutes he always utilizes this justification of saying, well, I'm an economist and uh, and a real estate invent- investor. I'm not actually a minister. All of the campus chaplains are the ones who are ministers. It seems like a real thin line to, to draw, Mr. Falwell, when you're leading this organization that, uh, <laughs> you know, purports to be the holiest of holies and the most spiritual of spirituals. So what's uh, her name? Michelle Bachman, I believe, was from uh, Liberty University. So we look at the quality of students that come out of Liberty University, and it's, I mean, it's not that, it's a terrible institution, from my understanding, allegedly. Well, at the... At the same time, you have Liberty University that is boosting up their debate team specifically for breeding politicians to be able to have a way with words and convince folks. And so you have Liberty University's debate team that, uh, you know, goes back and forth vying with Harvard and Yale, for instance, um, and getting higher marks. Because this is not just let's have our own institution where we're able to inform 
enforce these, you know, modesty codes and pretend that we're in a little Bible bubble here. It's let's have an institution where we can breed these individuals that can take this nationally to our country and try and and infiltrate all levels of politics in order to bring about our Christian evangelical kingdom that we're dreaming about. Yeah, and so basically it's making everything a rhetorical fight, much like uh, if you remember the Ken Ham versus Bill Nye debate, just to show how useless debate is. Bill Nye destroyed Ken Ham, and yet it worked perfectly for Ken Ham in order to continue on his funding for his arc park. You're listening to Ask an Atheist with Sam Mulvey. We'll be back after the break. with Sam Mulvey. As Sam said, he is taking a little break right now while he embarks on major dental adventures. But you got me, Becky, and Josh in the room virtually with us. Josh, I'm wondering, things are really rough right now, right? Sometimes we could use a little bit of levity in our lives, correct? Uh, Yeah, levity at this point would possibly definitely be nice. Okay, so uh, do you ever, I don't know, like read comics to cheer yourself up or investigate something that might be a little bit funny? No, um, I mean, I, I don't read comics so much because uh, there's not a whole lot, like there's a whole lot of different uh, people putting out bad, bad political comics that I think you're about to talk about. Oh, you guessed. <laughs> I, I We have had many people with uh, associated with Ask an Atheist over the years who are very much fans of all kinds of comics. And here's the thing that comics, whether, you know, it's it's in the newspaper or web comics or, you know, all of the superhero stories, a lot of them aren't there to entertain and be funny. And one thing that certainly was not funny, but just really a head scratcher was the following. The creator of the comic strip, Dilbert, has asserted that Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden is satanic based on a pseudoscientific analysis of a misquote from Biden's DNC acceptance speech. Scott Adams, who sometimes describes himself as an atheist, an agnostic or a non-believer, used numerology and a rearrangement of the letters of Joe Biden, that's J-O-E-B-I-D-E-N, to suggest that the candidate's name equates to 666 identity and that the phrase Kamala Harris, excuse me, and that the phrase Kamala Harris, vice president of the United States, also equates to 666. Adams, whose training is in economics and business, has also been cited by Trump advisors touting unproven drugs for COVID-19 treatment. Josh? I mean, obviously, it's true. Uh, All this is true. I mean, everything adds up to 666, so therefore, everything is the devil. Such bizarre things for an agnostic to even, like, touch on, right? Like, I mean, Josh, do you consider yourself an atheist? Uh, Yeah, I do, I think. Okay, so you don't have any particular belief in God or gods, right? Correct. All right, so if you don't have a particular belief in God or gods, where does Satan come from? Doesn't that come from a God story? It does. I mean, so, I mean, you can look, uh, take like the Satanic Temple, for example. So they are mostly atheistic, uh, but they believe in Satan in like a literary sense. Okay. But other than that, uh, you won't hear too many atheists take Satan seriously. If I didn't believe in God, I'm not going to believe in God's adversary because it's all part of the same story, right? It's like saying that you understand that one part is fiction, like one part of a book, right? So maybe in Lord of the Rings, you understand that Lord of the Rings is a fictional book that some people enjoy, but I totally believe in Gollum. Gollum exists, and in fact, Gollum is evil. No, nobody does that, right? You don't have the villain of a fictional story suddenly become true 
to a person who understands and 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 does not believe in the in, in a fictional story, right? I mean, not unless it's like Back to the Future. Uh, you're gonna have to dig into that one. <laughs> no, just uh, Marty. Uh, remember Back to the Future when uh, Marty sat there and played a science fiction character to scare his father into actually doing something for him. <laughs> so. Okay, so are we believing that Biden is scaring us into doing something? I just think that he's trying to be his best convincing uh, Democratic candidate. I just think that he's just trying to play the role that he thinks that that will get him to the presidency. I mean, that is the role or or, or the job of, I guess, a candidate. But the bizarre things is when you would have someone who is not a believer in that go on and on about this satanic stuff. And to me... What it leads to is, hey, you know what? I don't think that this guy is a believer in any of the satanic stuff. I believe that he is a provocateur who is utilizing his platform to prey upon the fears of those who would uh, who would interrupt um, Biden's campaign feasibility and try and, you know, swing votes from him or steal votes from him or, uh, you know, or, or, or take away support from him because we know that this creator of the comic strip is pro-Trump. Because, yeah, I mean, I did read some of the Dilbert comics back in the day. And from my understanding of the evolution is it started out because the thing is, like, the comic is about Dilbert, uh, kind of an IT nerd, kind of like me, like uh, Sam. So it appeals to us. But the the comic eventually, like, seems to have evolved to uh, actually go from Dilbert being the good guy of the comic strip to be more like the, the, the PHB, the, the pony haired boss is actually a little bit more now seems to be more, uh, the hero of his strips now. I think that might be reflective, reflective of perhaps Scott Adams own bias or his own bizarre mind. I think the, the bottom line for me is that this is an example of someone who does not believe in religion, but has no problem, apparently, with being wildly irresponsible and preying upon the religious beliefs of others or the unscientific and unreasonable doubts of others and capitalizing on these ridiculous conspiracy theories. I mean, I wasn't kidding when I said that his assertions of uh, of the Biden campaign being satanic is based upon a misquote, a complete misquote from Biden's DNC acceptance speech. And it, the the analysis that he applies to this quote that wasn't even from Biden as quoted is completely pseudoscientific because we know that numerology is a game. We can utilize flipping around of letters, adding values together, assigning values and then adding them in any way whatsoever. We can do that to Donald Trump's names. Uh, You know, individuals who aren't even, um, you know, believers in numerology can come up with lots of different little conspiracies that, you know, could could say the same kind of message. But we don't do that because we're not trying to be wildly irresponsible and prey upon others' anxieties in that way. Yeah, I don't. He maybe he. Uh, it does seem like he's actually is trying to change his audience. Like he he noticed that his uh, political opinions have put him in odds with his old audiences, and he his it's you could tell that he's getting more narrowed towards another demographic. So he's probably just trying to appeal to that demographic as much as possible to stay relevant. Well, I would be happy to relegate him to irrelevancy and relegate pseudoscientific analyses, um, anything where you're linking some kind of uh, current event to some supposed Satanism, I would be very happy to relegate that to irrelevancy. Um, We've got an email from Deacon, or someone who calls himself Deacon from the internet. Uh, And there's two parts to this, Josh, and I'm going to need your help on this, um, both from your perspective and and, uh, your experience. So the first part of Deacon's question is, As a professing atheist, you deny the existence of God, that's God with a capital G, gods, deities, divinities, the spiritual. You believe only in the five senses, the material and energy-based universe, the physical world. You believe all faith and emotions are based on complex chemistry, and you believe the universe is the result of blind, non-intelligent processes and billions 
and millions of years of evolution. Is that a correct analysis of your beliefs? Josh, let's see. As a professing atheist, you deny the existence of God. So God with a capital G-O-D, presumably his Christian God. Do you deny the existence or do you just not have a belief in the existence of that Christian God? Yeah, no, it's literally I lack the knowledge of an, uh, of uh, the possible existence of such an entity, and I carry on based on that premise. Okay, so I'm with you there. Um, other gods, too, with a lowercase g? Same deal? Yeah, same deal. Okay, deities. I think that's just a synonym for gods, right? Yeah, I mean, it, first of all, like, how do you define a god uh, or gods or deities? I mean, you can define them in existence. Uh, people believe that the sun is a god. The sun certainly exists, but it wouldn't meet any of the criteria of, of what we would think of as a definition of a god. Okay, all right. But it's certainly there, and it's certainly important. So let's let's go on to the next one then. Uh, do you believe only in the five senses? Uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, there's more than five senses, uh, senses, first of all. And if there's something that you expect to have an effect on anything and you can't sense it, there's probably a test that you could create in order to be able to ascertain if it's actually there. All right. I love that. That, that getting beyond like this this kindergarten level of understanding of five senses, like anyone that's had vertigo, right, is very much aware <laughs> that there are more than five senses because proprioception is a thing. And when you get water in your ears or when you get twirled around on a helicopter or something like that and you lose your sense of self in space, man, is it real. <laughs> so, yeah, way more than five senses. Um how about the material and energy-based universe in the physical world? Is that what we? Is that the only thing that we believe in? No, I mean that's a lot of stuff, but there's so much more on top of that too. I mean, I mean this is a straw man argument to, that just distills everything down to a quick bumper sticker. Okay, so uh, do we believe that all faith and emotions are based on complex chemistry? That's a that's one that like I will defer to. Um, our best understanding of psychology and neurology. I mean, I think that different fields have different ways of answering what the source of emotions and faith are. And I think that it's an incomplete understanding um, in some because those fields are really, really new. And we're still trying to like figure out our you know, complex chemistry, I guess, I guess embedded in, in that word complex chemistry, like I can get down with that because some of that complexity is still unknown to us yet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, we don't exactly know how emotions uh, have come about. We got our ideas, but I mean, we're still trying to figure the emotions and uh, how uh, chemistry impacts our ability to even just think. I mean, the, the thing is that I don't have a belief that there's something supernatural guiding my emotions. Even if at some point I feel like I don't know what's guiding it, I'm not going to assign it to a supernatural. Yeah, right. Absolutely. All right. How about this uh, assertion that we believe that the universe is the result of blind, non-intelligent processes and billions and millions of years of evolution? That's actually something that I'm, I'm, I think he gets kind of right, right? Like... The universe is, this is my belief. It's not my like distilled absolute knowledge, but it's what I believe based on the best evidence that's been presented to me so far that the universe existing is the result of non-intelligent processes, right? Except for the fact that like there's things in the universe that are definitely part of that that are like a beaver dam is the result of a process, right? Uh, the the formation of a moon around Jupiter is not the result of an intelligent process. But in general, I think he gets that part right. What about for you? Yeah, and I mean, at least he's admitting that we, uh, we think in long terms, like that, uh, billions of years, as opposed to some people, believe it or not, there are only 6,000 years. But that, apparently that's supposed to be a slam against us. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Mr. Deacon, is that a correct analysis of our beliefs? I think that we've elucidated that a little bit more. And again, these are just the beliefs of two specific atheists. It's not the beliefs of all atheists, right? So his question from there is, 
If that's all true, then why do we act so upset when a born-again Christian tells us, if you believe in Jesus Christ and his salvation, you will be saved. And if you do not, you will go to a burning hell forever, right? Especially if this is all just myth and fantasy for us. Uh, He says, especially considering that the Christian is telling you this because he or she really believes and wants you to be saved and to go to heaven. Even if you believe they're wrong and that it doesn't exist, they are being sincere in their care for you. Now, in my years, I have had a number of people that have told me that if I believe in Jesus Christ and his salvation, I'll be saved and go to heaven. And if I don't, then I'm going to burn in hell forever. And in some cases, that can be really jarring. Like maybe the first time you hear it when you're seven years old and it's a classmate that says it to you, along with, oh, you're Jewish? You personally killed my God, right? (laughs) Like those are things that are really jarring. Um, Since then, if it's a random street preacher that says, uh, you know, you're going to burn in hell if you don't accept Jesus Christ. Like, that's something that I don't get upset about. Like, I get annoyed. I get annoyed that he's there. I get annoyed because I can know that if this is part of his his preaching, he probably also doesn't support LGBTQ individuals. He probably also doesn't believe in evolution and wants it, you know, eliminated from school curricula. Like, that's the kind of stuff that gets me upset. But merely him just shouting in my face, like, you don't believe in salvation and or you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you're going to go to hell and burn. Like, well, I don't believe that. It's all myth and fantasy, and that one doesn't bother me. Yeah, also, shouting in your face right now would probably be pretty bad. Okay, fair, <laughs> right? And uh, I would imagine that given the, the, the professed inclinations of those who are not wearing masks, um, this would not be something that is uh, terribly unlikely at this juncture. But in general, in a pre-COVID time, right, thinking back to that, have you had folks that have been born again Christians that have told you this kind of thing, like accept Jesus Christ and you'll be saved and go to heaven or don't and you'll burn in hell forever? Um, not in so many words so often, but uh, a lot of times it's uh, like you have a commanding officer because I was in the military. So a commanding officer would be basically having all the NCOs get together and they would do a pray, a prayer. And then so, first of all that's wrong they shouldn't be doing that but second of all anybody that's not praying stands out and might actually be subject to retribution of some sort so that's definitely a a place to be upset and i would imagine that even if those commanding officers are really sincere in their beliefs that they're caring for you like that it's still upsetting right because the outcome is still going to be horrible for you in this world (laughs) Right. And that's absolutely not their function in leadership. I think that the parts where it does upset me is when I have someone that like I already have a relationship with and they're going to say, I'm just really, really worried for you. Like, I don't want you to burn in hell forever. And for me, that's upsetting because I'm like having to tell a person who has this belief then they're upset about this that like i'm i'm upset that they're upset and it's just just a very weird kind of feedback loop and for someone to be so utterly convinced that i becky am going to burn in hell for eternity seems definitely like myth to me but i'm just so confused and have this block of how to address that person's sincere belief and it means that there will be inevitably a barrier between me and that person who supposedly cares for me and that's something that's upsetting because if they truly believe this then there's going to be a a a sort of tier of intimacy that we can never achieve there's going to be a level of understanding that we can never achieve and so when when i have a family member or an acquaintance or a colleague or someone important to me that becomes a born-again Christian, and then presses this time after time after time again, it's so off-putting. And the question of, well, if it's just them caring about you, there's a lot of ways that people care about you that don't actually help you, right? And it's not just in a religious sense. But I would say for Deacon, who, if you are someone who keeps talking to people and saying, I care about you and I don't want you to burn in hell forever, 
think about the non-religious ways in which caring people who have sincere concern for others exhibit that concern in ways that don't help. And I think to some of the places where it's like um, during COVID, right? Uh, in a completely non-religious sense, someone is feeling really isolated and down. Um, so you say, hey, let's do a Zoom session together or let's do a virtual hangout. And that person says, I am feeling really isolated, but I'm also having uh, screen fatigue from doing my work um, through all of these conferences. They say, but I care about you. And if you're rejecting doing an a online hangout, uh, I'm, I'm so worried about you. Well, in that case, it would not be helpful, no matter how much you care about that person, to keep pressing them to get on the screen and do face-to-face talk, right? That's something that's completely non-religious and I think easy to understand. One person cares for the other, but the way that they're, they're expressing that care isn't going to solve a problem that you think exists. And I don't know, is that the sense that you get? Do you, do you have you ever had, Josh, anyone that's closer to you sort of express that, that to you? And then how do you deal with it? I haven't, but the way I would deal with it is I'd be like, well, uh, Muslim hell sounds a lot worse than Christian hell. So uh, according to your Pascal wager, uh, you should probably think about that more and then see how much I should have to worry about you now. <laughs> so even though you don't buy Pascal's wager as an atheist, you're going to send them uh, uh, rabbit holing through that? <laughs> yeah, why not? at least get them thinking a little bit i wouldn't yeah, want I, to do something that totally upsets them to the point of like being you know coming undone and coming apart but something that gets them thinking a little bit so they can maybe avoid pressing that issue with you i, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing you've been listening to ask an atheist with sam mulvey we'll be back in a moment after the breaks And welcome back to Ask an Atheist with Sam Mulvey. Or I should say without Sam Mulvey for today. Or with Sam Mulvey for just briefly at the beginning of our episode. If you missed him at the beginning of our episode, you can go to atheist.radio and uh, download any episode that we've, uh, we've done this year, which is few and far between, or fewer and far between in 2020 than perhaps we would have liked but I'm happy that I've got Josh here with me because there's one more thing today that has been on my mind that I'd like to discuss on Ask an Atheist. And that is this. A Christian crowdfunding site has raised nearly $200,000 for the legal defense of a 17-year-old boy who was charged with murdering two protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin last week. The platform Give, Send, Go describes itself as the number one free Christian crowdfunding site and as a veteran-owned platform that has not been impacted by censorship or so-called cancel culture. The fundraiser describes the teen's alleged victims as members of the far-right leftist group Antifa and describes the teen as someone who bravely tried to defend his community. GoFundMe and Fundly have disallowed fundraising campaigns in support of the alleged shooter who traveled from his residence in Illinois to Wisconsin on the night of protests over the earlier police shooting of an unarmed black man in front of his three children. The teen faces two felony homicide charges, a felony attempted homicide charge, and a misdemeanor for being a minor child in possession of a dangerous weapon. Josh, I imagine that perhaps as someone who has served in the military, you might have some feelings about a crowdfunding platform that is fundraising for a a, a shooter of uh, of of protesters um, to describe themselves as a veteran-owned, right, and uphold their veteran status as one of the proud ways in which they are crowdfunding for the legal defense of an alleged murderer. Yeah, so um, 
basically, I just want to say that uh, not all veterans come out of the service with the same experience, and it's it, it saddens me that like these veterans want to sit there and use their status to platform a terrorist. Because I'm sorry, that's what he is. He's a he's a, he's a young terrorist, 17 year old, homegrown domestic terrorist that bought into all the propaganda and went across straight lines with a lethal weapon. There's just so much wrong with with this entire story that they should not be be behind, but they're absolutely behind it because they've been convinced that it's okay to have this kind of terrorism on on our land. I think you bring up two really good points here where people have been propagandized or been convinced of something. And you talk about that in terms of the the crowdfunding uh, platform uh, proprietors or operators, right? And also this teenager who have been propagandized, have bought into this propaganda, have been, uh, you know, utilizing their status um, for their particular... Um, their, I can't even think of it, their, their, yeah. their platform, right? Their beliefs. And, and I want to sort of touch on that because, or investigate that, because being propagandized to and believing something that is fed wholesale to you repeatedly through malicious social media platforms, through threads on uh, strange websites, through politicians speaking at large and being echoed and uplifted by by media outlets that have these kinds of messages is it that much different from the way that people are absorbed into religious convictions it's almost identical i mean we're we're watching the development of an entirely new cult I think the the way that you say cult, right? Sometimes well, Sam will say coercive groups, and there in the atheist community, there's the or or in the the community that will examine religions and religious groups. There's a lot of like um, discussion of or, over whether you know what's the difference between a religion and a cult. And some people will say, well, size, and some people will say how coercive things are. Um, and there's I want to look at like the difference between being coerced into acting and believing in a in a way or and the difference between that and um and being rewarded right and having your your own biases confirmed by the media that you're consuming that uplift what you think you have been you know uh, come to in your own mind as like a sane and sound decision but you've been propagandized to like you said and i think that that's a really difficult thing to approach um knowing and observing when it comes to um when it comes to like things outside of what we consider like easy to spot so for me as someone who's not religious it's a little bit easier for me to spot when i'm being proselytized to but is it easy for us to spot when we are being propagandized to about something, some other belief that's unfounded outside of religion, outside of the belief in gods or deities? Um, it's not from uh, your perspective, especially if your entire uh, framework is being fed by uh, this information loop. So he was driven to this event across state lines by his mother who has also expressed the same exact views. So uh, at some point, I don't know at what point, uh, uh, how you differentiate between uh, when they become a cult and when they're just being just who they are. Another thing that's really complex here and pointed is this melding of the definition of American Christianity with being a white identified def quote-unquote defender of one's community you keep stressing that he's driven across state lines is kenosha wisconsin even this kid's community why did he need to be quote-unquote defending his community and then the only organization to pick up on crowdfunding from him is associated with christianity and the the scary and problematic as heck melding of this white identity 
that is um, upholding and, and loving on uh, police, militias, military, uh, that glorification of arming oneself, that glorification of what it means to be American, associated at the same time with Christianity. You know, and in the last segment, I talked about, hey, this guy who's a comic strip writer, he doesn't believe in gods, but he is also being wildly irresponsible. I'm going to call that out. And just like, you know, just like I will do that on this show, I, I want to see American Christians who are exceedingly diverse in their beliefs call out this kind of white nationalist Christendom as defining what it means to be a Christian in the United States and as defining what it means to be American in the United States and, uh, and, and have some united work against that because I think that is incredibly pernicious. Um, and then to put the lie to the test, just having it be associated with money, right? And money <laughs> being that sense of power. Um, it, to me... I think it wraps up with the most the most horrible bow all of the problems that have been boiling and broiling in our society and in our country and coming to to this point right now. I think it can it can't be it can't be illustrated more symbolically than the unification of guns Christendom, capitalism, you know, uh, uh, money being the thing that gets you through the criminal justice system um, and uh, the entitlement of being able to uh, blatantly uh, flout laws and take the lives of individuals. And that's a thing that is scary to me. Yeah. Yeah, and also he did it with almost the blessing of the police because the police were basically cheering them on. And prior to the shooting, they were actually showing their support. And you you obviously can tell what side the cops are on, the police are on this. Well, I'm not certain where it's going to be going from here, but I am glad that mainstream platforms have said no this is not something that we authorize um this is not something that we condone uh other mainstream platforms like facebook have completely eliminated the ability to search for uh any results involving the shooter's name um and i think that there's some folks and some organizations that are putting in some good some good moves to to counter this white, Christian, money-related, arms-obsessed um, uh, cult, I just wonder and worry that it isn't enough and that it's a little late. With that, I know that that's a little bit of doom and gloom or a lot of bit of doom and gloom. But Josh, it's really wonderful to have you in this same headspace with us on Ask an Atheist. So thank you for joining me today. Yep. It's been a while. You can visit us at atheist.radio. Email us questions at atheist.radio. Visit us on Twitter and Facebook and all of those things. We hope that you are well, washing your hands, wearing masks. We'll talk to you when we talk to you next. That was super dramatic and gloomy and yeah, that, foreboding. That, that music was very, very apropos. <laughs>